uh, I, I was trying to squeeze my head behind the dryer. My kid was uh, trying to do some laundry and he broke the knob off. So I'm back there like in all that dust trying to take it apart and fix it. <laughs> and then my got, phone starts ringing. I'm like, what the fuck? And then you got my dumb ass like, hey, where are you? Hey, uh, yeah, I'm the, I, other, I'm the other retarded kid you got to take care of. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you're Josh Newman's buddy. And uh, I had Josh on here a couple weeks ago. And I would like to th say Josh is now my friend. I would like to think Josh is now my friend. And uh, we've had a blast. And uh, But I saw you were his first guest. And I watched the first couple minutes of it. And I was like, yeah. Josh, this guy's cool. And he was like, no, not really. He's a fucking loser. And I was like, okay, well, that's rude. I was like, that's rude. And I think he seems cool. So, um, of course not, Josh. We love you. But, yeah. So, I didn't want to watch because I didn't want to spoil, or not spoil, ruin any sort of get-to-know-you content. So, I got I to gotta go to work at, uh, I got to leave here at like 1.30. So, it's 12.20 my time. Do this bitch till like 1.15, 1. Sounds good. Is that good with you? Yep, yep. Yeah, so the first, what I did watch was that you're in the Marine Corps, you're a psychiatric RN, and you're a black belt, and uh, that's what I'm assuming an assassin of sorts. Yeah, judo, judo. I've been doing judo for about nine years now. So CIA assassin. <laughs> that's what you're trying to, that's what you're trying to get at, right? No. No, no, no. no. Yeah. No. What no, a, I, that's not, uh... <laughs> That's one of those things you just do. You don't even tell people. About, yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. Well, I've, I've had on guys, I've had on guys that were in Delta Force and then went on to. They can't legally say it, but the CIA Special Activities Division. And I'm like, I'm like, how secret was it? And they'll be like, how secret was what? And I'll be like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. For anyone that's ever played any of the Black Ops video games, if you play those, that's what your character is in. He's in the CIA Special Activities Division. That is like the original Black Ops, but yeah, no. Um, I'm more, I'm most interested in why'd you get into psychiatry, psychiatric RN? Dude, I um, I never wanted to be a nurse. I, I was getting ready to leave the Marine Corps, and then uh, it, it was all for family reasons. Yeah, and I grew up. Um, my mom you know, pretty much did things by herself, and uh, my uh, I got a half sister. Her dad stepped in, you know, and filled that role and was a, you know, uh, just a blessing in my life. And, and that's my dad. But, you know, that, that relationship didn't work out for too long. And so it was like me and my mom, my sister growing up and my mom had us when she was real young. So like we were super poor and like it was a struggle. And um, I wanted to have a family. I knew that even as a young man and uh, I wanted to be around for it, you know. And so like the, the military lifestyle, the, the deployments, the training ops and everything, I was like, I'm, I'm good at this. I love this. I hate this, you know, but yeah. I, I need to try something else. And if it doesn't work out, this will still be here. Yeah. So, um, and then I was just kind of like, well, now what the fuck do I do? Yeah. And uh, I was like, I don't know. I was thinking about med school. Just kind of, you, know, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. I, I think you're not, a, I don't, I think personally you're not an adult till you're 26. Like, I just your turned, brain's not done. I just turned 30 and I really don't feel like, I turned 30 <laughs> two weeks ago, I don't feel like I have full, I'm, I'm not fucking, I got into med school by the time I was 23. I don't feel like I have a full, I don't feel like I've had a full grasp on who I am truly, probably until around like January of this year. It was, and it's not like I have that feeling and then every six months I look back and I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot, like I am, but this is like a first in my life where I'm starting to look at things and it's, I feel like I'm sober for the, even though I haven't like drank or smoked in several years, I feel like I'm sober in reality 
for the first time in 30 years. So to kind of agree with you, yeah, brain doesn't finish developing till then. I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I've hit the adult check mark really until like the last six, seven months. Up until now, it's just been a torrential cascade of, of hormones and depression and stress and existential crisis and voids and not know you know, speckled with jerking off and getting drunk and eating fast food and it's just kind of been a whirlwind of. Of torment. Not to completely cut you off, which I did, but it's uh, sorry. But yeah, no, no, I, I know where you're coming from, man. I remember, um, I remember in like April or May of 2005, I had, I had bought like my first like decent vehicle. You know, like I had like a hoopty truck in, in high school you yeah know, i wrecked it and that yeah. was kind of it yeah. but i remember my dad saying no no when you wreck it and i'm like i'm not gonna wreck it and he's like when you, you wreck, when you wreck it. it yeah <laughs> yeah when you, uh, anyway, when you break so it. like I, I bought myself a, a jeep cherokee and uh, i still have it like dude that was the, my first uh, car and i i had uh i'd gotten married um married my high school girlfriend you know we uh and still married been married for 15 years now so we got a kid do in just a few weeks and i got an eight-year-old so anyway like i'm but i still feel like i still feel you know i remember feeling like i'm still like that kid that was in high school you know like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing yeah but i had gotten through boot camp got got married which i told you not to do i gotten base housing so i had like a little crib i had my vehicle i had my lady and I remember driving to work at like 5.30 in the morning and I had like a little fold out electric razor, you know, because military, you got to shave. And so like I'm shaving and I'm driving to work. And I'm like, I've, am I, I'm pretending to be an adult. You know, <laughs> like I, I remember like this is so fucking weird. Like I'm, I'm role play. Right, 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 right. You know, you get into that whole like fake it till you make it. And then yeah. eventually like you're not you realize you're not faking it anymore. You've kind of gotten used to it. Oh, and that's God. that's what this whole ride has been doing. <laughs> You asked about being a psych nurse. I'm like, I got out of the military and was looking for what can I do that's going to give me options? You know, it's going to be a versatile career path. Uh, I, I jumped into the Marine Corps not really knowing shit about what Marines were or did. I just saw the dude standing there at school one day. I'm like, that dude looked cool as shit. There we go. Check that out. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, and then, yeah, hook, line, and sinker, gone. And You still there, Blaine? God damn it. Lane? Lane? No. You there? Yeah. I'm a moron. I somehow, like, just cut off my internet. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Sorry, you said, uh, so you said hook, line, sinker, and then it yeah. went into the yeah, void. Yeah, so, like, to it, and I figured everything out you know, along the way, like, oh, shit, this is what this is. And so I was getting ready to leave and try and, you know, start the next chapter in life. I'm like, I don't want to obligate myself for too long or anything. You know, and I was thinking about medical school. But I'm like, damn it, that's a long career path. And that's super expensive. And I wasn't 100 percent on it. So like, let me just what, what can I get started with? That'll, that'll give me, you know, an inside view without all that, you know, 250 grand in debt and all that shit. And so what? Um, <laughs> This, this was 2008. If you're lucky, man. I was looking, I got into Miami med school. They were like, yeah, without interest, it's going to run you around 360000 Yeah. It's 2013. Yeah. So I, um, 
don't know. I uh, I had some people recommend nursing was was a big thing. I looked up the the info on it, and there's a projected shortage. So I'm like, all right, make some money. You know, tons of different things you can do. And so I went into nursing school and um, fucking hated it. And uh, but I, I can't quit. You know, yeah. like you're not you're not gonna beat me. You know. Yeah. So um, and then I just applied for every job I could find within you know 50 miles of the house when I got done, and then. Uh, I got one full-time job offer and it was funny because I, uh, I went to a, uh, a state psychiatric hospital as part of clinical rotation. You know, you go on these little field trips as part of your schooling. Mm. And, um, I went in, I went into the, that hospital and it's just like involuntary commitments. Like this is what people think of, you know, when they think of psych hospital, they think straight jackets and seclusion yeah. rooms and all yeah. that. And it's, it's really, it's not like that, but I'm walking in and like I'm hearing all these people yelling, all this weird shit's going on, people talking to themselves, this dude's having like snatching stuff out of the air and eating it that doesn't exist, you know, just completely psychotic people. And I'm like, not no, but hell no. Like yeah. I will never do this. Yeah. And then, you know, like eight months later, I'm like, hi, first day of work, you know. Yeah. Uh and I just uh stuck it out, man. It ended up being something I was really comfortable with, really good at. Uh you know, no, nobody winds up and working in psychiatry on accident, mm-hmm. not the people who stay. Um, and so it ended up helping me, helping me uh, kind of grow and deal with some of my own shit that I didn't even realize that, you know, was going on. And um, it was a challenge, but I feel like I'm better off for it. Yeah. I don't really work as a psych nurse anymore. Uh, I did that job for um, about nine years. And then just recently I was offered a management position at a different hospital running a uh, um, a geriatric psych unit. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, my first foray into um, mid upper management and trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing all over again. Yeah. Uh, so definitely, once again, it's like deja vu. Like I'm pretending to do something. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I mean, you know, just yeah, picking yeah. it up as you go. Yeah. But it's going well. Yeah. It's kind of, it is true. You, you do fake it, but it's not like fake it till you make it. You fake it until you forget you're faking it. That's how I think of it. It's like you're never like, I made it. You just get really good at lying to yourself. It's like I was like a bumbling, like weightlifting idiot until I was like 20, like literally till my 20th birthday. And I remember my dad dropped me off at the frat house. It's my sophomore year of college. It was 2010, August 7th, 2010. And it was like, okay, not a freshman anymore. And there, I remember that first night living in the frat house. I just remember I got so high. Like I just, it was like the highest I'd probably ever been. Just gravity bongs, that good South Georgia gas station weed that they now know causes seizures and shit, right? But it was, to, to my dumb mind, I was like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's synthetic, so you know it's good, whatever that means. And I remember high as fuck sitting on the couch, and I just realized, I was like, I have three years until the real world. And it was just like, I'm just moving towards this, well, until I graduate, and then it's just... You know, because you're in college, but you have student loans, so like you still don't have to really like be real about anything. You just get food and go to class, and it's still, I mean, it's still not real. And I was just like, that terrified me. So this was like before the hold my beer meme, but like it was literally like that became like a running joke with like guys I'm still friends with. I remember our, we were with we were like drinking afterwards, like playing Mario Kart, you know, just some real productive shit, and I was like. I remember I got up and looked at my buddy Cal, and I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna go to bed. I gotta, I gotta go to the library tomorrow." He was like, "What? Like classes don't start for a week?" And I was like, "No, I like I need to be a doctor." And he just thought I was fucked up. And I went to bed, 
And then the next day I went to the library and then did that the next day and did that every day for weeks and months, got a 4.0, did it again the next year and then transferred to UGA, but like stopped drinking. Like, uh, but so the, the joke became, it was just like, hold my beer. I'm, I need to go get into med school. And then three years went by, six semesters of 4.0s, published undergraduate research, aced the MCAT, scored in the top four percentile, got into med school, and then like started like drinking and partying again. But like, it was like a real life, like hold my beer, I gotta become a doctor real quick. And, uh, but yeah, I say all that to say, I remember it was like, I didn't know what I was doing. So I was like, well, I need to be a doctor. So I need to like stop drinking. And then I was like, I should probably put on like a collared shirt. And I was like, I should probably like, you know, not be going to class high. And like, I just kind of faked it. And then like a couple years later, I'm sitting there like interviewing around all these like Ivy League kids. And it just dawns on me that like, I still have no idea what I'm doing. I've just got really good at it. Everyone's like, instead of being like, I'm an idiot, I don't know what I'm doing. Instead, it was like, where'd you go to school? They're like, oh, Yale, Harvard, you? I'm like, UGA, but you know, and I'm just realizing as I'm talking to these kids, I was like, I've lied so well that I am now lying at the tears of like Ivy League kids and everyone's still believing it to the point where they accepted me. And like, it kind of dawned on me, like I did like, I did mushrooms when I graduated for the first time. And that's when it really dawned on me that I was like, I'm just wearing this like mask, kind of like you with the electric shaver. I'm like, I'm just wearing this like pre-med mask. And like, I was just handed a, instead of a pre-med, now I'm handed a med school mask. And I was looking at it and I was like, I don't know if I want to put that on. And I didn't. And it's uh, been several years of chaos. But now I'm wearing a podcast mask. And it's, I started wearing it in December. And it, it was weird for a while. I got some calluses. But now... I kind of forget that I'm wearing it. I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't think there is a purpose to it. But uh, yeah, I'm just putting on like, I started working at a liquor store a couple weeks ago. Now I have like liquor store mask. I go in there and like, I go from like, I'm driving there and I'm like calling people like, you know, get an interview and I'm listening to audiobooks of authors I want to have on. You know, thank you very much, sir. No, I'd love to talk to you about your research. And I, I go in there and put on my mask, and it's like, what's up, fuckers? And it's just like, what's up, dick cheese? You just missed it, dude. There's some bitch with great tits. And it's just like, cool. And it's like completely, like, misogynistic, asshole. But I don't even think about it. I just put on that mask. And then I leave work, and I'm listening to a book about, like, cyber warfare and the DOD. And I put on a different mask. I don't know where I'm going with this. Lane, help me out. I'm, I'm talking. I'm t- saying too much stupid shit. You know, we're, we're, no, it, it's normal. I mean, and what you're describing is just part of the human experience. You know, you don't. I remember a conversation um, many, many years ago. Um, a young Marine looking ahead to my first deployment and, and listening to some older guys who've been around who'd been in a couple tours already and they were talking and there, there was a, a, a certain uh, leader in the company that they didn't really respect. And, um, and he just flat out said, you know, he's a bitch. And, and I remember thinking like, that doesn't make sense. You know, like we're, we're, we're fucking Marines, you know, like that's, that's the antithesis, you know, mm. and, and, and I want to come back to that in a minute. Cause that's something else but uh you know that and and then they got into this conversation of like well how do you know you know because he because apparently you know the guy acted 
like he was all hard and tough, you know, and motivated leader. And uh, but when the shit hits the fan, like some people just, you know, close in, they curl up, they they shut down, you know, and then other people lean into it, and that's that's when they, you know when they wake up you know it's that guy who he was a store clerk for you know 15 years and then a war kicks off and suddenly he's billy fucking badass like that's his jam you know yeah and so and i just remember this guy this big old black dude you know he had hands that were ginormous and he said if you use a bitch use a bitch you know and like and it was like one of those things like the way he said it the attitude behind it wasn't dismissive or disdainful it was just like this is a fact you don't know until you're in it and then if you're a bitch, you're a bitch. And I disagree with some of that, you know, because I think people can grow. People can make choices. But um, I, I was I was worried. I, was, I remember thinking, like, fuck, like, I'm not going to know until it happens. You got to pop that cherry. And, you know, shit happened. And then later on, and I was happy with the way I dealt with it, you know, um, mostly just because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I remember I was sitting inside a Ford operating base and we had the, the trucks like all lined up ready to roll out. And there were some, like some hooches some some places where people were staying. And um, I was standing next to the armored truck using the mirror to shave once again, shaving Yeah. and uh, <laughs> milestones. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm, the, I'm in the middle of Fallujah and th- there've been these uh, random like mortar strikes. These guys would go and they'd set up some mortars they'd drop a few rounds and they'd leave, you know, almost like pot shots. Mm-hmm. But, indirect fire and so i'm sitting there shaving and then shit just starts blowing up and so i'm like fuck and i remember being kind of irritated by it and so i opened the door to the armored truck got inside shut it and kept shaving and shit kept you know blowing up for a minute and then it quit and i was like all right are we done and then i remember like my staff sergeant come out and he's like patch fuck you doing out there get in here and i'm like why am i leaving the armored truck to go across the open you know dirt to get inside the sandbag little hut you know like all right i'm on my you know i gotta go but uh i remember thinking like well guess i'm not a bitch you know um (laughs) but i was at the same time i was like i'm fucking stupid like i should have been hurrying you know i should have been like alarmed but i was just like are you fucking kidding me like like what an asshole anyway that's what that's what mike durant said about gary gordon and randy shugart and the downed blackhawk in mogadishu you know the two delta force snipers they said you know one of them was killed instantly but another one was like shot a couple times in the chest and kept fighting and the way he describes it in his book in the company of heroes it was like gordon kind of just at one point i heard him just say very it wasn't in pain it wasn't oh no it was it sounded like he was a little irritated like it was just gonna make things harder he went ah, i'm hit <laughs> shot a couple times in the fucking chest and he goes ah, i'm hit god damn it just kind of like meanwhile just mowing down somalia yeah fuck god damn it like it's like you step on a lego like where's bobby you left out your fucking legos <laughs> he was just like dude 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 took a fucking 762 round of the collarbone and was like i'm hit like fucking gotta do everything yourself like yeah maybe you're just not a bitch yeah I, i've thought about that like i wonder if it can even you know if use a bitch use a bitch but it almost sounds you're right like not dismissive it's just like like look if you if like you're i'm five eight like hey if you're not tall you're not tall it's just, I, it's not anything I did, right? It's just like, if you use a bitch, you know, bullets start flying. Like, it almost seems like it's almost like a predisposition. 
Like you just, oh, you don't, you're a bitch. It's nothing personal. You a bitch, you know. If you're not six eight, you're just not gonna be the center on the basketball team. It's nothing personal. You're just not you know, six eight. The other thing I was gonna go back to I'll tie it into this. I, I was sitting in a uh, classroom with a bunch of people who outranked me one day. Uh, it's a technical course. I was a mortarman by trade, and uh, this was like something I had to do to to work in the, like the next job billet within the platoon. And um, we had a break in the class, and this old gunnery sergeant gets up and. Um, he walks up to the board, uh, the whiteboard, and he writes out three numbers, um, 80, 15, and 5. And he said, well, well, I've got a couple minutes. I just want to share you, with you guys something. And um, I don't know what prompted this. I have still no idea why, where it came from or why he did it. But he said, 85, this is 85% of the Marine Corps, all you fucks that signed up. This is what most of us are. And right out next to it, he wrote, nerds, geeks. <laughs> it's like, okay. fair enough. All right. Like, fair. All, like, right. all right, yeah, I like playing video games. I like computers. I like yeah. fuck, taking shit apart, yeah. putting it back together. You know, yeah. I, I get nerded out about shit. I've got an X. You can't see and it that, right behind this camera. I've got an Xbox. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the computer I'm on right now is a gaming computer. Yeah. So, like, the yeah. third one I've built. Like, fuck I, yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. So... Yeah, I get that. I watched Dragon Ball Z all through high school. Yeah. No problem. Okay. Understood. Fifteen. Um, percent was um athletes, guys who, you know, they had they were they were on their way to a football scholarship or whatever in high school and then they took a knee or an ankle or something and then, you know, that kind of derailed them and so they're you know, they got this this body that's been trained and they've been working hard for a long time. They have the discipline already and then suddenly like they're they're career path that they had projected is just gone from what's taken and so then they're looking for another way like well now how do i pay for school you know what do i do with myself i need something to be proud of something and then five percent he said five percent of you fuckers are actual killers now this is like you know the biggest fraternity you know this is super macho yelling the word kill is an affirmative response when somebody tells you tells you to do something like you got that kill like all right, all right like that means yes like okay and you know grunts and barks and growls are all acceptable forms of communication so and it's just part of the part of the the spirit the attitude and um so when we threw up on there like only five percent of the people in the marine corps and who knows he pulled these numbers out of his ass or whoever before him did but our actual like i signed up so i could kill people you know like this is the only way i'll be able to do that I thought about that. I'm like, you know, that's there's something to that because, like, I, part of faking it till you make it, part of growing up in life is putting yourself in enough situations that you start to round out the picture of who you are. You know, you're this blank slate when, uh, when you're coming up, and and you don't know if you're going to be a bitch. You don't know if you're going to be the kind person. You don't know if you're going to be the one who jumps down in the subway and picks the kid up in a hurry, you know, like until that moment strikes and then you make a choice. And this is where I kind of disagree with the whole, it is what it is. You are what you are. I'm like, no, every choice you make is another, another line, you know, another page in the book of your life. And when you get, when you're old, you know, if you're fortunate enough to live a long life and sit back one day on the porch swing with your moonshine and your homegrown weed, and you're sitting there thinking about 50 years ago and you think about all the shit you've done, like you have to live now so that when you hit that point, you're satisfied. 
you know like you have to hold this image in your head of who you want to be like what's tommy going to be like when he's just like what's a cool tommy like who's a tommy i want to hang out with yeah and then you just make choices along the way that live up to that standard that you set for yourself and fuck everybody else it's it's your life you have to live with it not just live it so i kind of disagree with with some of the like the i don't know the fatalistic I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent. I was just going along with big black guy, big hand black guy. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't argue with him. I was 18 years old, just listening, like, fuck. Yeah, he'd, he'd fuck you <laughs> I with, thought I was ready. He'd, he'd fuck you with those hands, yeah. Yeah, so. No, I'm with you a hundred percent on that. I saw, I fucking hate it, but I saw some, I saw some, some like post on Instagram. There are diamonds in the, the hundreds of trillions of pounds of diarrhea on Instagram, but like, one was like set a goal so big that you can't achieve it until you become the person that can so it's not even choose something that you can achieve like i want my podcast like i want my podcast to be like the biggest and best in the world like hands down like i was always in great shape gained a bunch of weight after my brother committed suicide six years later i'm still trying to shed it normally i'd have like eight abs i still got still got a little belly right like, I want my podcast to be huge. I want to get back to, like, the best shape of my life. I want to change the face of, like, mental health care via psychedelics and they're not being explored enough. There, there's MAPS, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, headed by Dr. Rick Doblin. But none of that is stuff I can do right now. 587 subscribers. I should be about 170 pounds. I'm about 200 I need millions and millions of dollars to do what I want with mental health care. Right now, after this, I got to go stock liquor shelves, right? It's, but to become that person, I have to become, I have to become something far greater than I am right now. And I think it will take me about, I think it will take me about 10 years before I can really start enacting the change I want, but kind of like hold my beer. I got to become a doctor in like three years. It took three years, but I like, I like built my own little skyscraper, just a brick at a time. And I did it. And that's kind of how I'm what you're saying, writing your own book. That's what I'm looking at right now. Like if I die right now, I would be content because I know I'm trying. I got into med school and turned it down. I got my ass dumped. I live with my parents. I'm 30 years old. I work at a liquor store. Like the friends I had that got into the same med school as me are now practicing physicians, making buku bucks with hot wives right I would, but I would be happy knowing that I said fuck it I'm gonna go try that to me that is like but you're saying if you weren't content it's like the Maya Angelou quote the greatest pain is bearing an untold story it's just wondering what if that's far worse than failure right so I need to like fill those shoes I have to do this podcast I gotta do it every day I gotta put out content constantly Right, I gotta gotta get turned down by ni- probably n- n- no bullshit. It used to be ninety five percent. I think I get turned down by about ninety eight to ninety nine of every one hundred people I ask to do the podcast. Right, it's to, to the point where I'm sure like there I probably have like come close to restraining orders and not known it. Like, hey, it no means no. Stop calling this company. Stop calling Northrop Grumman. That was a real one. Stop calling us. This is classified research. I'm like, all right. Jesus, i just sorry. I got an American flag. I thought that was all I needed. Assholes. I'm just asking about a special access program. God. But, um, it's, um, again, I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, you gotta, yeah, when I'm, when I'm old, drinking moonshine, homegrown weed, 
maybe have like a pet bear or something, right? I want a big old fucking grizzly. Yeah. Waking up, having coffee, maybe take a hit of acid, hit the meth pipe, go ride my bear into town, see if I can't take on the SWAT team. You know, normal old people shit. But no, really, like I want to look back and just be like, I fucking did it. Like, I fucking did it. And not only that, but like I set out on shit knowing that it would take 10 years to, to complete. You know, it's it's like knowing that's what's that quote? Like when when old men plant trees whose shade they know they will not sit in. Yeah. Or when old men knowingly plant tree when old men plant trees and they know that they won't sit in their shade. That is when a society grows great. Right. Or I look at it as like when you wipe the seat of a toilet that you didn't even piss on, but you know the next guy is going to come in and go, oh, clean toilet seat. That's when a bathroom grows great. That's what, yeah, I agree with that is, I don't know where the fuck I'm going with this, man. I just start talking and just like let it rip. Like, let's just, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's just kind of like throwing a ball down the pyramids and I just kind of hope it keeps bouncing down the steps. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm not really sure where I'm going with this. Yeah, I think one of the you t- you you, t- you talked about having this this sense of being at peace with yourself right now and being kind of awake, sober. I think woke is a common term. I'm not woke. Do not don't don't put that evil on me, Lane. Do not put that evil on me. I am not woke. Fuck those people. <laughs> But I mean, have, having a presence of mind, you know, and, and being uh, at peace with yourself and, and, and finding and, and trying to live out of a, a center space. You know, I think one of the one of the times when I was actually able to start approaching that center space was when I, I realized, like, I just knew it for a truth. Like, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Everybody's just making the shit up as they go along. And I, like, that, that's that's one of those one of those fine lines between child and adult when you realize like holy shit we're all just making it up and you cross that line like welcome to the club you're growing up now it's so liberating yeah scary liberating horrifying horrifying but it's well freedom is scary for a lot of people you know i I had a chance to um recently offer a a, my mind a pretty sweet ass job to somebody and um they turned it down and they turned it down because it would be a, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting words in somebody else's mouth and trying to read between the lines when I'm sitting there thinking about, like, why didn't this awesome applicant go for it? I think the freedom was scary, you know? They, they kind of gotten used to operating in a, in a space with, a, with certain people and certain rules and structure, you know? They've become comfortable, and that, that comfort was their coffin. They weren't going to grow out of it, you know? And they turned down what would have been an awesome opportunity because of it. Com- comfort is... It is addicting. It, it can be a coffin, but it can... I used to, you know, when I decided not to go to med school and was like, I'm going to go fucking do this thing. Probably up in... And I think that's why I'm an adult now. Is really up until this year, I was like, I had friends that are doctors, they're lawyers. All of my friends are far more intelligent than I am. Doctors, lawyers, accountants. They are smart fucking people. And um, they all, you know, they all have wives, they're married, they're in like nice houses, but it's all like nine to five. And up until this year, I was like, why are you doing that? Why are you not just fucking going for it? Why are you not, you know, 
fucking take your clothes off, dip your dick in paint, and make modern art. Like, why are you not just going for it? And then this year, it, it was, I just realized, I was like, you know, like, I, I'm not in a relationship, but I was like, man, like, if you were married, like, with someone you love, with a child, there may not be anything more rewarding than going out and being the breadwinner and coming home tired, but being like, I did that. And now my family has food and they can pay for school and my wife has health care. And I was like, oh, like, it's not because they're like pussies who don't want to go out and, you know, be the next Post Malone or the Beatles. Like, they've just found their own bliss. And I always used to look at it as like coffin. You're done. You've bent over. But now I'm like, I get it. I don't think it's for me, but I get it. I don't know. It's, but, yeah, man, one of my my greatest fears is this podcast not, not succeeding. My second greatest fear is this podcast succeeding. What will I do? What will I do if all of a sudden I get money? I'm like, okay, all right, I, I cannot be drinking because I, I, I'm a moron when I drink. Like, I can't smoke pot. I have an addictive personality. Like, I think, like, what would happen if I got a lot of money? I'm like, I would, I would probably, like, move away from people i would isolate myself just so i can't fuck it up like freedom and success is terrifying if you can't tell i interrupt a lot you kind of gotta just punch me and butt in um, um the trying to find your own happiness is a uh <laughs> that's a tough task you know we we're so what you're talking about with those people like get up go to work they do their nine to five you know they come home they see their kids you're like that that is what we call the american dream you know and that's what you're from a young age you know whether it's looking at the andy griffith show or you yeah. know whatever like it, it, you have this idea in your head of what happiness is supposed to look like and then i think a lot of people get there and they realize i'm like they're they're going through the motions but they're not actually happy Where, I mean, like, where's look, the pot of gold yeah, well, I mean, look look at the prescription rate on Prozac, you know, like <laughs> SSRIs took over. Yeah. And so it, as terrifying as it is, you know, whether it's turning down med school or, or you know, being like Dave Goggins and never being satisfied, the true yeah. dog mentality, yeah. whatever it is, like Stay taking on. your own Stay approach. On. Well, I'm like... You, like Dave Goggins isn't an, an incredible person, you know. At this, on one level, like you can't listen to him without without. Like, I'm sorry, I got to go run now. Like you know, but at the same time, yeah. it's like, man, like is he ever going to be happy in life? You know, like, one thing I think will he ever have that moment of contentment where he's just sit back and he's like, yeah. I think I don't think he wants to. No, I, I, I don't think so either. I you think know? he's like he, I think he's forever in foreplay, and he doesn't want to nut because as soon as he's finished nutting. It's like now over. what? So I think yeah. he's just edging, and he's just gonna <laughs> edge forever. He doesn't even want to nut before he dies. I think he wants to die edging. And I, I, can I blame him? I mean, what's? Well, I don't know. It's. Do you ever read or listen to any Ram Dass? He mm-hmm. died last year. He was like ninety three. He was um. He was a Harvard psychiatrist in the sixties. He was good friends with Timothy Leary, you know, turn on, tune in, drop out in the 60s. They got fired from Harvard for, like, distributing LSD. <laughs> yeah, 
I love Ram Dass. His name was Richard Alpert, and then he became Ram Dass. And uh, he, like, dropped out, literally went to, like, India and, like, sought out gurus and then just became, like, some speaker for the next 50 years. I, I love, he's the best. Um, but he was like, you know, you can become God. You can become the one, the the I-ness, the source of all creation. But once you do that, you there is no I. You can't enjoy it because there is no you. It's like the perfect movie, but there is no one watching because you can't. It's like by definition, there's no more separation. He's like it's like a it's like a pool of mercury, and it gets closer to the other pool, and then it just <laughs> absorbs it. And he's like the real trick. The real, like, bodhisattvas and gurus will tell you, you want to stay right on the edge forever and praise God and be a servant to God. And not God in, like, the Christian sense, but just, like, you know, the oneness, the, the behind all gods, the one source. And he's like, you want to serve and be a servant to that God because he describes it, he's like, you're forever in foreplay. You're forever on the edge of ecstasy because once you get there, there's no it's over the game's over you got to restart restart as a single-celled organism or the big bang and he's like you you just stay right there and you just edge you just edge forever and that's that's bliss i don't know i'm not enlightened but that that idea of enlightenment that that is something that persists so much in human thought you know i'm a big sci-fi fan books audiobooks movies and like the idea of of uh, as a species hitting a level of technological development where we transcend physical existence whether it's a digital thing or like yeah. multi-dimensional yeah. thing like we're outside of time and space like the idea of attaining something beyond God, this God is something that has just been so pervasive across cultures we're so fascinated with it yeah the singularity do we yeah do we leave I mentioned it yesterday. I'm going to mention it again today. My favorite, I'll text it to you right now. My favorite book ever. It's called The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect. And if you like sci-fi, it's like a two-day read. If you like sci-fi, you will love it. It's not on Audible. It's not on fucking, it's not on Kindle. I don't know where it is. And I don't, frankly, I don't know why or how it didn't take off. But it's by Roger Williams. And I emailed him. He's going to come on the podcast on Wednesday. It was published in 2002. It is my favorite book. It is my. F- you can read it online for free. I'm texting it to you right now. It's um. But yeah, he, he the he, the whole story goes into that. What happens when a hyper AI comes about? And it kind of goes. It kind of goes into like what we're talking about. It's like, what do you do when you become the god? When you can have everything. And what they do is they start kind of pursuing pain instead of pleasure because they've already had every pleasure. What do you do when you've had everything? Well, at a certain point, when you've had everything, you've had sex with every fucking person that you've ever lusted after. You've done every drug. You've, and beyond even like human desires, you've become a horse and had sex with a penguin while looking at the Sphinx <laughs> on fire. Whatever. That is, that, that's, cer- that's so human, though. They're like, that's that's what happens. Anytime you follow wealth and power, like shit gets kinky, people get weird. You get we to start- Epstein Island, and then that's where we are today, man. <laughs> And that's the only way. And it's so weird. It's so weird and fucked up and depraved and have no sources to back this up. But I don't fact check here, so free to be fake news. But it's like what Tim Dillon says. He's a comedian. I got I turned Josh Newman on to him. He's on Joe Rogan. And he's like, 
what do you think's going on there? He's like, I don't know. I feel like you get to a couple billion dollars, and after you've wrecked a couple nation states, you need the next high. So what do you do? You start raping kids and then eating their bodies in the woods and sacrificing their blood to Moloch. I mean, it's the next logical step. But <laughs> in in this book, it's all about not like none of it's real. It's obviously all like it's all just like VR. But like that's what they do is they go back and they experience what is it like to be a Jew and being herded into Auschwitz. What is it like to be uh, a heroin dealer and the guy doesn't have the money, so he holds you at gunpoint and kills you and or rapes you? And it's the first time I read it, I was like, what the fuck is this guy on? But as I look back at it and I read it again, I'm like, it. if you've had everything, well, what becomes the new desire? The new desire doesn't become pleasure. The new desire becomes something that you have not experienced. It's novel information. Right, you've already beat a video game. I'm playing Just Cause, uh, not Just Cause, um, Far Cry Five, for like the tenth time right now. So I've already beat it. And I already know the story. So now I'm just doing weird shit, like seeing if I can beat the whole game without doing a mission, just like racking up XP with like a bow and arrow. Because now it's like I've done it. I already know what happens. Now I want to do weird shit. I'm like setting cows on fire with flaming arrows. Right? <laughs> it's, it's, and that's what he says. You get in. I won't spoil the end of it, but it's. Yeah. And rent. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's, I mean, that's, that's what we do. You know, that's why there's however many thousand cable TV channels, different movies, books. It's all so that we can, you know, vicariously experience something. We can see through those eyes. We can experience the story. Um, that's Jeremy Robinson's book, Infinite, kind of gets into that where, um, yeah, like you just do over and over and over again. And, you think go back to Inception, you know, and DiCaprio talks about how they went like so many levels down and like they years. built cities, they yeah. did everything. I'm like, they probably left out all the kinky weird sex shit they did, you know, yeah. but well, just, the city was there like, for 50 years. So, you know, 45 it, of those years was just, <laughs> yeah. So not just debauchery. Yeah. Sodom yeah. I don't know. Man. You, 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 at the end, after all of it, you come back to, I do anyway. I come back to like uh, I'm here on the weekend now. You know, my my job is supposed to be kind of a Monday Friday gig, but I uh, was telling Josh yesterday. I was like, I almost don't want to have a weekend because it throws me out of the loop. You know, like I need I need to do shit. I need to do laundry. I need to clean the house. I need to hang out with my kid. I need to I need to chill and let my nerves come down. You know, but at the same time, like. I wake up I'm like, what the fuck am i doing I'm like what am i gonna do now i'm just gonna hop on play some PUBG, yeah drink a little bit i'm like yeah. and they're like wait a minute like I'm, I'm that many hours closer to death now like what yeah. did i do that was actually meaningful like what's how is that gonna help anyone or anything like, yeah it's free time is like if this podcast succeeds it's not like i want to get to a hundred million dollars and then be like ha ah, now i can just do nothing to me, that is worse than death. Like, I don't... Even on my off days, man, it's... Like, I have an Excel spreadsheet. Because I'm just fucking, you know, I'm crazy. And, like, those people, crazy people scribbling numbers. But, like, you can go back to the first podcast episode was December 12th. And zero views. And then, okay... Every day, I just I tally up the total views. And I have a bunch of different metrics, total views, impressions. That's like how many times it goes over someone's screen. 
but I have a bunch of different like parameters to measure the podcast. But it's it's because on days where I don't do anything and I'm just this much closer to death, I try to do something so that I can have something to show for it. So like even if it's not a new podcast episode, I'll go, you know, spam it on some subreddit or Facebook post or whatever, right? I'll just go plug my own shit under some anonymous username just so I can see it tick up a little more. And then like, I don't mind sitting back and playing video games, but like, I definitely I'm with you. I don't, I don't like the days of nothing because I can't even enjoy it. Cause I'm like, what am I doing? You know, this, uh, this, this digital era, the internet age, and we've got these kids coming up, you know, like they, they don't remember a time without Facebook or Instagram yeah. or followers or influencers, you know, and my son, he, you know, he, he said he's eight. He's in a big into Minecraft right now, and he told me a couple of weeks ago he wanted to be a YouTuber and just play Minecraft. And that's all he really does. He's got a couple of people he follows, you know, and that's fine. You know, whatever, have fun with it. It's goofy stuff, but you know, we have this um, this mechanism in place now that we can use uh, as a as a metric, maybe even a proxy for success or impact or meaningfulness. You know, when you look and, and you count that, like if you weren't living now, if this was 30 years ago, a hundred years ago, like what would you be doing to satisfy that, that need for validation? You know, like how did people deal with this shit when they didn't have that right there in their hand? You know, like, is there wisdom to be had and trying to pursue that like as a thought experiment and what's going to come after this when fucking everybody and their grandkids got a YouTube channel, you know, like there's literally, there's so much out there now. There's not even enough time to, to know what all of it is, much less actually like savor it, you know? Yeah. I wonder, I've, I've thought about that. And I wonder if it's, if it's almost like some chicken and egg shit, right? It's, it's like in the line, the witch in the wardrobe. I, the one thing I remember from that book was that like, there's like a chicken pot pie and it never runs out. Every time you take a slice, it just kind of materializes again. But the problem is, is it makes you hungry. So you're just always eating this chicken pot pie, but it never runs out. And then like you eat it to death. And like the question arises is like, man, if you always had that chicken pot pie, how you, at some point you'd be like, man, thank God I have this like always refreshing self refilling, uh, supply of, of, chicken pie i wonder what people did when they didn't have this well eventually you got to go well that makes you hungry so they may not have had that endless source of food but they also weren't endlessly hungry so my answer to your question my dumbass hypothesis to your question is what did people do without that constant validation was there a need for constant validation (laughs) are we like how did they get likes without instagram they're like what are likes they're like, right. how do you, you know, how did you post selfies? Most of these motherfuckers have never even seen a mirror. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right? Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just like, I don't know, maybe validation was like, I've got like five chickens in my coop, bitch. Like, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. hey girl. <laughs> hey my girl. wagon wheel has 26 inches. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah, 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 really? You want some apples, girl? You want some clean clothes? I got running water. I got a windmill. Mmm. It was just probably the same flexing back then. And you know what? They were probably at a point where they're like, man, we should go back to the good old days before wagon wheels, back when people were real, right? 
and you zoom, you go back, and what is it? And then it's fucking you're building the pyramids, and they're like, man, remember the good old days back before we had blocks of rock? Those people really just were living in the moment. And you go back to them, and it's early agriculture. They're like, remember when we were just hunter gatherers, and every day was just the hunt for food? And then you go back to them, and they're like, hey, remember when we were just apes? And then you go back to apes, and it's so is it all bullshit are we just always nostalgically looking back to an an area where if we went back there we'd be like oh these people suck <laughs> you like i mean uh, <laughs> people have always sought sought meaning in existence uh, i don't i don't know um my personal thing i got to a point where i was like you run a, you run a, a big risk of just hitting like this existential wall right yeah and, and I'll, once you go past that point in in, in in the exploration it's just like well nothing fucking means anything right yeah. what's the point point? for me like that gets super depressing right yeah. like it's liberating but then at the same time like well nothing really matters yeah like no 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 i'm here this fucking matters you know it's- um and so then it just becomes like, well, the only thing I can do, the only measurable difference I can make is the things, the efforts that I can take that are going to positively affect other people. You know, whether it's a stranger, you know, pulling over to give, help, you know, carry somebody to the gas station because I ran out of gas, or it's, you know, trying to, to see my kid grow up and be, a, you know, hopefully healthy, mentally sound, functioning adult, you know, a productive member of society. Um, and so, like, th- that will go on, you know? And I think that's that's something I think a lot of people have tied into. You know, when you, when you look at the, the whole idea of trying to have, like, a, a male heir for, you know, a bloodline, you know, I'm like, it, it's going to go on. It's going to matter. I'm like, plenty of bloodlines have, you know, just gotten lost in the mingling of all the people, yeah. you know? Like, nobody remembers it, but... Uh, if you, if you do something, you know, whether it's helping somebody, you know, a school teacher, you know, devotes their life to, to education and then, you know, literacy goes up a little bit, you know, over a span of time or, you know, like then those things matter. There's a sense of progress. And I don't know. I, uh, I got a friend of mine who um, he went kind of hard. He went kind of crazy for a little while and uh, he went hard on the whole prepping thing and got a, a storage container and to bury it in an old silage pit and it was you know it just you gotta get a little weird um you know and i remember getting into a conversation with him about why you know like well what's the point of all this you know so well if the shit hits the fan you know place to wait things out you know like, well you can't really wait shit out you if know it's a thermonuclear like, exchange there's nothing to well, wait well yeah like one like either it's bad enough it's just the roaches and the twinkies or uh, so, uh, like, I'm in southern Mississippi. You know, we had uh, Katrina hit, and that's something that most adults kind of remember profoundly. I'm like, the next day, like, people just got out. You know, you got your chainsaw, you got your truck. You know, you got out, you started Start clearing cleaning. brush. You went, you checked on your neighbors. Like, nobody just sat and waited for somebody else to come do it. You know, like, mm. whether it's whether it's you know, World War or a natural disaster and at the end of the day like somebody gets up and goes to work the next day yeah. you know somebody gets up and fucking just starts and like that's where i think like the whole the, the, if you're looking for a sense of identity and being a man if you're looking to try to find some 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 comfort in your own existence some validation like get up you fuck go to work yeah you know 
if you do something that makes the world a better place that provides for other people that way when you're sitting back and you're on your porcelain drinking your moonshine like you're like yeah i built that you know or we clean we clean that up we help those kids you know like i pulled that lady out of that house like whatever it was like that's that's the book you're writing yeah you know um yeah i agree with you go into that nihilism and it's liberating at first and then it's crushing depression but if you wait out the crushing depression long enough for me like the liberating experience was probably like six months the depression was like it was like when i decided i didn't want to go to med school because like life is short that was like six months of like i'm free then i lost a sibling to suicide and that was about six years of nothing matters and i still don't think anything matters but because i don't think anything matters and i don't think that there is purpose that thus includes or it that there are no rules well then that means there can be no rule against making a rule so if there is nothing matters and there's no purpose to anything well then there's no one to tell me that i can't make say that everything matters and there is purpose to everything there's no because there's no if it's all just a blank canvas well then that means that on that canvas i can also say uh this does matter there is purpose and so it's the it's a field that's kind of small but i like it it's just it's, I think it's called positive nihilism or optimistic nihilism, and it's nothing matters. Be happy. Because you can just say, yeah, no, we're here on this little rock floating through space. But, dude, if you, if someone has a sunburn and you give them some, like, aloe vera and Tylenol, if someone doesn't have any water and you donate to help build a well in Africa and now some kid has some water... No, it, I don't don't look at it like the bloodline where this will have effect hundreds of years done. No, eventually it will all fucking turn into dust. But like right now, if right now someone's thirsty and their throat hurts and there's nothing worse than being thirsty, and then you doesn't even have to be some kid in Africa. You get up early and your friend is hung over on the couch and he wakes up and goes, uh, and you hand him a water bottle and he drinks it. In that moment, you alleviated pain to a sentient individual. There is value in that. It doesn't matter how fleeting it is. In the in the infinite void of creation, someone's going, I'm fucking thirsty. Or, Dude, I got a shit. Can I use your bathroom? You can use my bathroom, man. And that person gets to fucking take a dump. That is real. No, I don't know if your name is going to carry on a thousand generations from now. But if you provide just that little bit, just alleviate some pain, how is that not the most important thing? To me, that is... That is purpose, right? Am I just crazy? You sure you don't want to be a doctor? Yeah, I know, right? There's the, there's the, why aren't you a doctor? Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, what a weird side. The flip side to that, you know, of allowing yourself to find meaning in those things is, you know, anybody with average intellect, you know, has had a moment where they've been in a conversation with somebody and you're like, okay, I can do things this person can't, you know? I'm like, and maybe it's not intellect, maybe it's skill, maybe you learn to trade, like whatever. Like, so then you kind of have, in my mind, maybe I'm wrong, but like you have an obligation to help those people, you know, that, that yeah. don't get it, that don't see it, that yeah. don't understand. I'm like, that's, that's really when we get into all this social angst and people arguing about what's right and what's not right and, you know, tribalism and everything, but like, if you have the ability, are you not obligated? Mm, absolutely. You know? how, how does that? How is that going to affect you on your course swing? 
Yeah, the yeah, or, or your big Kodiak bear. It's the smartest person I know in my life, and I won't say his name. Just call him. I don't even know how to. Just call him Lane, right? It's not you, Lane. Sorry, but it's we'll call him Lane. No, we'll just call him Bob. I knew Bob in high school and college. Bob is the smartest motherfucker I've ever met in my life. It's also the hardest work I've ever met in my life. Some people are are hard workers like me. Not necessarily smart. Some people are smart, but don't try hard. Bob was one of those people that was smart and tried hard, right? I studied for nine months for the MCAT. I got in the 95th point six percentile. Bob studied for three weeks, got in the 97th percentile, right? Fuck Bob. Bob, this is when we were 23. Bob could be 30 now. Bob could be retired. Bob is that smart where it's like he's one of those people that like, you know, he could have picked up investment banking and just, you know, made a couple million in a couple years and then just been retired for life. And I remember asking Bob that one night and we were pretty fucked up. And I was like, dude, you could do anything. And he was like, I know. <laughs> and I was like, you're a fucking genius, dude. He's like, I know. And I was like, why are you, why are you being a doctor? Like even medicine, like you could, if you're just interested in biology, you could still go into pharmaceuticals, man. Cash the fuck out. And I remember him saying, I believe it is my purpose. I believe God put me on this earth to use what I have to help those that can't do it. If he could study for the MCAT for three weeks and got high as fuck every night afterwards, would wake up and then study. If he could do that shit with his, again, not to say he doesn't work hard, but if he could do that shit with his eyes closed, he was like, yeah, I could go make a lot of money. Or I can still make a killing doing this, not by no means live a modest life. But he's like, that I could help people that don't have what I have. And instead of, you know, wrecking economies, I could go be a surgeon. And to me, I've always looked at that as like, that is proof that like, that helps like ebb the nihilism. I'm like, there's someone that is just like, yeah, I could go do anything, but I think it's my purpose to help people. And it's like, Jesus, dude, like that is... He could very have easily been like a Mark Zuckerberg, right? He could have just gone and made billions. And he chose to use his powers for good. Yeah. And he's, to me, I'm like, that is like, that is, I'm like, that's why I shouldn't be a doctor. Because I was like, how many years do I need to do this before I can retire? And I'm like, and you know what? I don't think my head's in the right place. But yeah, dude, it's, I do think it's right that you're right. It's, you have to use that to, to I think it is an obligation. I, I don't think you should be forced to, but I think it's like a moral obligation. I think you got to like use your powers to be the best person you can be. And then buy a grizzly bear and smoke meth until your golden years. Fucking meth. <laughs> I, I don't get meth. I don't you know, get it at all. Dude, I lived in Georgia for 15 years. Still don't I, I understand seen- it. All right, so working with people who were so psychotic that they didn't know they were psychotic, people who were like the court had to force them to go to the hospital to get a little treatment. So many times you'd get somebody coming in that they look like they have bipolar disorder or schizoaffective, you know, bipolar type, and hallucinate and super paranoid, haven't slept in weeks. Yeah, and this is a crazy thing because then. Once you hit that diagnosis and that sticks, and then you get people who get on like disability because of their mental their mental illness, you know, like literally 
the only thing they need, they don't need expensive medications, $30 a pill or, you know, some long acting injection that's going to cost a taxpayer $1,600 a month. Like, no, no, no. All they need to do is leave meth alone. But that shit will Easier fuck you up so bad. Easier said than done. Yeah. I don't know anybody who has been on meth for a long time. And this, you know, yes, I smoked meth for seven or eight years. Like, no, nope. I don't know anybody who's like, nope, that. nope. I don't know. And having lived in South Georgia, I went to Valdosta for two years. Even there, I didn't know anyone that did meth because it was just like, just stay away from it. Just stay away from it. Actually, take that back. I have one friend that was in the Marines and well, he was selling meth in high school. Well, he didn't do meth. He was selling meth, didn't have any outlooks, joined the Marines and he was getting there. Yeah, they were receiving mortar attacks. This is 2003. And he said that he was sitting there going, man, there's an easier way to get a paycheck. <laughs> Came back. He is now a physician. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, you know what? No, he didn't do meth. Yeah, I don't know. I know I know a couple individuals who were on heroin for a couple of years. Right. And got clean and are now very strong, the strongest people you'll ever meet mentally. But, like, I kind of get it. I've never done it. But, I mean, who wouldn't want to just sink into a warm heaven of bliss? I get it. Right. Liquid mm-hmm. love in your veins. Yeah. yeah. Meth. There's... There's nothing even attractive. It's not like, man. What's the, yeah, what's the upside? It's like, not like, man, it ruins your life, but I bet it's great. I look at it, I'm like, that looks terrifying. <laughs> like I talked to an old guy one time. Um, this is the one upside. Um, I mean, this guy was, was geriatric, okay? His body was just broken up with multiple diseases and years of abuse. And um, he didn't have, you know, any intellectual skill set. He'd been a laborer his whole life. Um, and his his home was run down. And like he, this this poor fella, like, there, do you know what part of dyskinesia is? Yeah, oral facial uh, part of dyskinesia. Well, and, and too, like, choreic movements and, and, you know, like, yeah, yeah, a lot of times you see akathisia tied in with that because the people who suffer from that are on high doses a lot of times of, of antipsychotics. And so you get, like, this weird squirmy ants in your pants kind of thing. Um, this guy looked like that. Like, he literally could not sit still, but it wasn't from, you know, anybody messing with his dopamine receptors. It was he was in so much back pain that like he couldn't, he, he just, uh, was, there was no such thing as a comfortable position. Uh, and so he was so debilitated from his back pain that um, he, he couldn't work anymore and his house was getting run down. <laughs> and so he ended up coming to see me at work and uh, he, he'd gotten kind of out there and it was meth. And he would take some lore tabs and he would and he would smoke some meth and man he felt great. He he fixed the floors in the house, like he repainted the walls, he I was up it. on the roof. I get <laughs> like, it. I mean <laughs> he's like, I just have I finally have energy, you know. I'm like I, I yeah. get I get it then. I mean if that's your whole life and now you can't even do that, it's kinda of like the nuclear bunker. What is the point of surviving? You were waiting for mm-hmm. what? For the cobalt levels to go down? <laughs> like it's a there's a nuclear winter and yeah, everything's irradiated, and you go up there, you're going to be coughing blood in an hour. What are you waiting out? Maybe he looked at it as, as like, what is he waiting out? Like, this, this isn't getting better. Maybe he's just like, fuck it. Just fucking rip some ice, take some more to have, and I can go fucking work can with work my again. hands. 
Yeah. You know, that is an anomaly, okay? That's someone who's won the lottery twice, and when you ask them what they do for a living, they go, whenever I need money, I go to get the lottery ticket. That's not how it's used. No one does that successfully. <laughs> the people that do do it is just like, you you're, You don't count. You're an outlier. You're, it's not that you're an outlier. You should not be include, included in the statistics. The guy that well, fucking it, it, smoke meth, smokes meth responsibly so he can do, like, carpentry work, that that doesn't count. <laughs> that just doesn't count. You got to consider the context, though, again. Yeah. You, you got nothing else. Is, well, no, I'm saying you still ended up at the psych hospital. You know, like. Oh, I didn't the, get the, that. That went in one ear and out the other. All right, never mind. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Like, he, he came to see me at work. You know? Oh, yeah, your work is at us. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, All right, yeah. Like, like this, this was not the. Uh, this wasn't a casual encounter at, at, at the gas station or anything. No, this is at the psych hospital. If you're here, this is, this it's not for... The state reason. took away your civil liberties because you're too fucking crazy right now. Okay, so never mind. I go against everything I just said. <laughs> well, even... But no, actually, you know what? I'll die on this hill. Even then, it's like... Well, uh, truck drivers, uh, you know... Yeah. Uh, well, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, damn, it's been so long. I don't remember the details. I remember hearing about the, the Air Force and the go pills, you know, the, for the long flights. But that's still a thing. That's not an old thing. They've just got better no, at the I chemistry. Just, I, I, I don't know the current state on things. It's, I don't know what they're using. They're, they're called, so. It's a, a drafinil, armodafinil, and modafinil. They're drugs that the pilots, back in like the 40s, we just give them like meth, right? In the 70s, it was, I think it was like meth, a little, just a little more methy. But in like the 90s, we got really good at it, and you made something that didn't make them high. And there was no withdrawal. They just you just didn't feel tired for sixty or seventy hours, and that's how you'd fly from Langley to Baghdad and back. What's the downside to this? Like, why is this not at, at Walmart? Like... So, in two thousand eleven, I uh, actually bought some of this stuff. <laughs> I was to say because we're getting into into study drug territory, which is something that I, I never had any experience with. So. I bought it from South Africa. It was, <laughs> yeah, right? I was living in Athens, Georgia. It's been nine years, so I don't think it's illegal anymore. But I bought it from South Africa, knowing that it, it came from some shitty, almost like, you know, the Nigerian prince. But I found some, like, pharmacy online in, like, Johannesburg. And it was like, I knew what the compound was. Because I, like you were thinking, I was reading about all this. And I was just kind of, like, laughing about, like, meth. I remember I was, I still have the book, a psychopharmacology book. And I was reading about it, and it got to the. And I think it's it's called like Eugorix or something. That's the category of drug. It's E U G O R I C. I could be butchering that, but it was like I think the French produced it. And I remember reading about it, and I was trying to like, well, I was like, where's the funny part? Where's like the debilitating psychosis of being awake for eighty hours? And it was like you will crash afterwards because your body is tired and you, like, you need a couple days off but like that's fine for b2 pilots where their job is to fly the b2 they go do that and then they come back and they rest in the states for a week probably mandated rest and i was like man where do i get this and i was like okay well i'm not like a b2 pilot and then i was like i bet someone in the world sells this somewhere and you oh, could, yeah. couldn't get a prescription in the united states and i found it in south africa and it was like to get a prescription, you had to be like a military pilot, but it was also like $150 a pill. I found, yeah, I found it being sold from, it was expired, which just means it's only 99% effective, right? Ex expirations don't really, 
don't quote me on that, don't really mean anything with a lot of medications. But with some, it's the difference between life and death. But, you know, fine, great line. But oh, it's storage. Yeah, everything. I found them and I was like, expired. I was like, I don't know how many hands these have crossed. But I was like sitting in South Africa. But I did the math and they were selling it for like three cents a pill. And so I was like, I'm going to spend $100. And if it's a scam, which I think it is, I'll lose a hundred dollars. And you know what? Good. I should have learned. I'll learn my lesson. If not, I still have two years of pre-med left. Man, these could be <laughs> could be beneficial. So I ordered them. Didn't get anything. About eight weeks later, I got this thing, and it, I mean, it almost looked like a like an SNL prop. It had like all the stamps on it from different countries and shit, like. And there was like, as soon as you open it up, there's like a folded piece of paper and it's like written in broken English, typed, but like broken English. It's like, we are not responsible for like US customs. And I was like, oh Jesus. And like, they got it and there it was. And I would save it for finals weeks. And I would take it and didn't get high at all. And I would just study for like 72 hours. There's no downside. <laughs> I did it for several years. I'd only use it for finals week because when you come off of it, you, you do need sleep. Never even jacked my heart rate up. It was let. It felt like less than. Didn't even feel like Red Bull. You just. It's not. It's not a feeling. Like what does it feel like? It's just. It's the absence of fatigue. You're not like oh I'm high. Not euphoric. Not jittery. You just didn't feel tired for like a couple days. And I remember the last time we took it was after I got into med school. Me and my friend took it and went to some, like, there's, like, all these huge frat parties in Athens at UGA in the spring. And I think it was 2012. I remember we took it and we stayed up, like, all day drinking. Like, all day. Like, heavy drinking where you normally pass out at, like, noon. We were drinking till like, 4 in the morning. I remember he looked at me and he was like, this, this is dangerous. He's like, because we're not going to die from this. We're going to die from, like, drinking. <laughs> And I was like, you're right. Yeah. And I remember the next day, I gave the entire, I had it in like a little lockbox. I gave it all to some, I gave each friend like a pack. Friends that were going to med school and law school. And I was like, save it for when you really need it. But I got rid of it because I was like, that made me think. I was like, this isn't going to kill me. I'm going to do something on it that's going to kill me. So, um, yeah, dude, I don't. Now, if you're seeking a high, I don't know anyone that's that's gotten a high off it, but it was, but it was called Adrafinil, A D R A F I N I L, and now there are now you can get prescriptions in the United States. They sell it for like narcoleptics, but they made it into like an anti-immers, so now they're just charging through the nose. It's called a Modafinil and Armodafinil, and okay. they're back up. But Adrafinil, you got to take it on an empty stomach, and you can just study for like three days. Like, like, I'm not kidding, dude. Like, study for 12 hours, go take an exam, come back without even taking a nap, study for another 18 hours, go take an exam. And your brain just stays. Just stays. I'm ready. Yeah. The problem is, is if you do want to go to sleep, you can't. So you got to, you take it. It's like, I'm doing this because it's finals week. It's the end of the semester. I know I can crash. It's like going home for Christmas. I know I can go sleep for a couple of days. <laughs> Yeah, where are the downsides? I don't know. It's been eight years since I've taken it, and nothing long term. <laughs> I don't know. There's no downsides to it. How come we're not all on it? That's that's a question. Yeah, I know you keep waiting for like the uh, you know what's the catch? 
I don't know. I don't know. I got into med school. I don't know. <laughs> and if I can find it, God knows that I wasn't the only one who was who found it. Oh no! To me, that just means I'm like I'm sure I could have said this name at any med school interview, and I all the kids' heads would have turned. No, you didn't get. No, you don't get that high up. With, I'm sure they all were. I'm sure it's probably on Wall Street and Vegas, and I don't think you take it as a party drug. I think it's too valuable. I think, yeah. I mean, it is like the limitless pill. But it doesn't make you smarter. It just keeps your focus. It doesn't right. make you smart. No, and it doesn't. No, it doesn't even. I found it didn't even really make me focus. It just made me not tired. You had to do everything yeah. else. You still had to have the drive to study. Like, it just gave you. It's almost like the ability to pause time. You, bigger gas tank. You just had to go in there. You still had to work. You still had to have the drive to study mind-numbing organic chemistry. So it wasn't like a stimulant in that it gets you psyched up. It just gave you, yeah, a bigger gas tank. I don't know what the downside is. I'm going to have to look at this. You yeah, might I'm have gonna, to. I want to know, I wanna know like, how many people are using this, why this is not more common. Like, That's what I was something. saying in 2011. I was like, how is this? I'm like, there's no way any of this is real. And I took it, and I remember I was like, I felt like I just like hacked into reality. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of competing market that's already in place that that would supplant. And so there's a vested interest somewhere or something like follow the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't don't know. Or it's too powerful. You can't let the layman have it. People who have it probably don't want other people to have it because that's their edge. Well, if well, yes and no. Um, I mean, having people crash, there's a downside there if that's not well managed. But then at the same time, like look at the... Look at the popularity of Red Bull and Monster and Rain and all these, you know, but that's stacker, stackers yeah. and five-hour energy. Like, we are but that's killing ourselves people, to try and be more productive. Yeah, but I think people also like the rush of that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like it, it, it's not just productive. It's, but, I mean, but literally, like, we're – okay, yeah. I mean, I think there would be a lot of people who were bored with an alternative that just gave you a bigger gas tank Yeah. didn't – you up, you know, they'd probably still be taking those on top, yeah. If you, right, right, yeah, yeah, three days with a hypertensive headache, just yeah, shaking. But I mean, shit, dude, what about like a battle? What about like a you know, battlefield cert or medic, like a trauma surgeon? You just need to be up. Imagine, like, imagine if you have that as like, I feel like that'd be like an emergency reserve you would have in like hospitals. Like, what if there's a terrorist attack and you're just triaging thousands of people? Well, I bet. I bet for for some for some operator for some team guy, there's there's probably some of that in his pack right next to the ketamine. Oh, you mean for like what? Some like Delta Force guys, or you mean like physician? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm yeah. sure the I'm sure the operators have it. Sure, but I I feel like for like surgeons, you feel like you'd almost want that. It'd be like break glass in case of emergency. Oh yeah, no, I, that uh, what's this fucking uh, Robert Halstead, right? The the guy who kind of pioneered the whole. He was like on the front end of, um, oh fuck, he was a Harvard doctor. He uh, he did. He was famous for his marathon uh, shifts. He'd do like two and three day shifts, and they found out like later on he was just a big cokehead. You know, and it's like all the all the all those med students were trying to keep up with him. Yeah. You know, and he was just slaying shit. And at, at the end of it, like, oh no, he was just worked out of his mind on coke the whole time. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's Terrence McKenna. It's the problem isn't finding the answer; it's facing the answer. 
how is he doing all this? How do you think? How is how is he getting all those home runs? Because he's taking grizzly bear testosterone. That's why. It's not there's not some what's he doing? What's his ethic? No, he's just have you ever read House of God by Samuel Shem? It was written in like the seventies about Harvard residency. If you ask any doctor, they will all have read it. It's like an unwritten prereq. What is it again? House of God. House of God. Dude, it is one of the the best books you'll ever read. His pen name is Samuel Shem. His real name is Dr. Nick Bergman. But he was he went to Harvard Med School and did a residency at I think Mass General in Boston. And it's all about just the insanity of it. And I think the book actually had like effects in like it created like like institutional policy change because he talks about how yeah, they'd just be like smoking meth so they could work for 80, 90 hours. Let off tensions. So the doctors would be fucking all the nurses in like the closets, like just right in the patients walking down the hallway. Why is the closet rattling? Oh, it's the fucking water tank. They're just banging it out just to like you know let some steam off, and then just fucking hit the meth pipe and yeah. And there was one guy that always seemed to have it together. And finally, towards the end, the guy was like, "No, no, no! I'm like I'm doing meth with like the rest of you guys." And it's like, "But how are you not tweaking?" He goes, "Oh," and he like. Pulled out like a vial. He's like, well, I take Valium at noon. I take a Clonopin at 4 p.m. But then to offset that, I take an Adderall. Do a little cocaine on the evenings. On bad days, I did. And he was like, oh, this dude, the only difference between him and us is he was just doing more drugs. <laughs> and you, dude, you need to read it. It's it's like, ask any doctor about it. They will like slyly smile. It's I, it's I, like I a brutal, yeah, Gomer. Geo, yeah, Gomer, Gomer, G-O-M-E-R, get out of my emergency room. Uh, there's like the seven rules. Gomers go down. Old people don't die in hospitals. They will never die. They'll be in there 90 with cancer, getting the third hip. They will survive. Doesn't matter. They'll survive, and they will drain the system. If young people come into the hospital, they're dead. They're just dead. Good-looking 25-year-old guy comes in. Nope, he's fucked. He's fucked. If you're young, you die. If you're old, you live. <laughs> Little old ladies, that's how you That's how you pad your pockets. Little old ladies come in. They just need... Like your analysis checks or skin checks. That's how you just keep the money coming. It's like the seven rules of the fat man. And the fat man was some like nihilistic doctor. Huh. It's dark as fuck, dude. It's dark as well, fuck. This is all shit that I've, that I've seen. You read you the know? book. Okay, and, and, well, you're and, a practicing nurse. Read the book and you'll come. You'll be like, okay. <laughs> Got House of God, Samuel Shem. It is, it is an unwritten prereq for anyone that's going into anything medicine related. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Dude, you will fucking love it. It's it's what I love is the guy is so smart. He's a Harvard physician. And I think he works at NYU now. I think he's in his seventies. He's so smart. What I love about the book is he just disregarded like all grammar. There's just run on sentences for pages on end. It's just he does he just use it's just rantings. And is he, he didn't even when he wrote it? Maybe. He probably did. He probably wrote it then. You're right. He probably did. And he's like He's like with his wife during it and he like cheats on his wife and he finally like admits it to her and she's like, I know, I knew you were. He's like, what the fuck? And she's like, no, don't worry, I cheated on you back. And he was like, what? And, he's, and she was like, well, if you can accept, he's like, if you can accept me for it, I'll accept for you for that. And he's like, and that's when our relationship really started. He's like, we've been married for 40 years. But he was like, he was like, he's just like, oh, it's like, wow, if I can see through that, then she can accept me. Yeah, and he eventually realized that it was all just like a scam or not a scam he's like there's no winning this 
you just get worse. It just gets worse and worse and worse. He goes, so he's like, I decided I wanted to do medicine, but I didn't want to do like the madness of medicine. So he became a psychiatrist. And yeah, I don't know if it changed anything, but I know he wrote another book after that. And I started reading it. But yeah, then I think I, that was that was when I decided I didn't want to go to med school. His other book, it's called, um, fuck, it's where he goes to do a psychiatry residency. It's um, Heartbreak Hill, I think. What You can find it. The House of God is his, like, that book has been there's one of like the most printed books. It's in like every language. Every med student ever for the last like fifty years has read it. It's he doesn't call it Harvard Med School. He calls it Best Med School (BMS). He does Harvard Residency, which is Best Best Residency, and it's a uh, dude. It's insane. It is insane. You read it and you're like, I'm sold. Yeah, you read it and you're like, it's almost like you grow up and you're like, I, I can't wait till I have it together. Man, I gotta be at work in seven minutes. But he was like, he was like, uh, it's, he was like, it's not like you have it together. You realize that no one has it together. You read that book, you'll be like, oh, it's not that doctors are like a cut above. They are. He's like, you're like, oh, every doctor is just they have no idea what's going on either. I come in, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. In their minds, they're thinking, I don't know either. Well, let's, f- let's figure it out. <laughs> it's like it's crisis management. There's no such thing as fixing. You just kind of put it off. You live a little longer. Gomers go down. I'm gonna go over to this book right now. You need, dude. It is, it is, that is like a one day. You sit down, you can't stop reading. It is fucking hilarious. It's amazing. It's brutal. It's Sam Samuel Shem or Nick Bergman. He's he's a boss, but yeah, like Harvard hated him for it because he like exposed all their dirty secrets. The only way you can stay on is if, like, if you hit the meth pipe. Like you gotta roll hard, man. You gotta always be. Oh, I, I know. I gotta get. But he finally, he finally, he gets into it. And I, I can't spoil it for you. And it, it, I don't think it can be spoiled. But he, he, actually, you know, I don't want to ruin it for you because it is still funny. But he, it, 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 he eventually becomes like the best resident in, in like the most hilarious manner. He, he just says, fuck it. And then he, he gets to like the number one spot where all the doctors are like, this is the best one. He's like, I'm actively not trying. <laughs> like, I'm actively just like leaving shifts. I'm actively just drinking and sleeping in the closet. And shit would just... He would go in and these people would be like, I don't know what's going on. And he would be like, yeah, well, I'm going to run some tests. He just wouldn't do anything. He'd be like, I'm going to give you your medication intravenously. He would just give them water. And these people would, like, miraculously get better. (laughs) To the point where, like, the benefactor of Harvard, some dude who, like, a wing was named after him, he comes in and the guy just lies to him the whole time. He's like, yeah, I'm going to check your levels. He, like, goes back and just, like smokes a cigarette and like plays cards and like, a couple hours later comes back he's like yeah no your enzymes are good and the guy got better he like went that guy went to like the dean of the med school and was like this is the best goddamn doctor i've ever seen in my entire year here I'm like i will continue donating so long as this man gets raised and as this guy's going through it he's like all right this is all just horseshit then none of this matters it reminds gonna, me of catch me if you can it, it is it's like it's got to catch me if you can catch me if you can mixed with groundhog day mixed with office space that's what it is he just i don't give a fuck anymore nothing matters and then he and then he succeeds wildly and he's just like wow this is all horseshit i'm leaving i'm going to become a psychiatrist because that's real and then he gets there and he goes holy shit this they're even crazier here (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's you you will love it you'll absolutely love it 
I should be at work in four minutes, but I can... Never mind. Yeah, I have to be there at two, but I should be there at 145. But I need to go. <laughs> Lane Patrick, I need to get you and Josh Newman together and we'll uh, we'll party. Read that book and uh, we'll do an episode and talk about it. I'll reread it. <laughs> it's, uh, Sounds good, man. Fuck Sounds yeah, good. man. Thanks for-, Thanks for doing it, brother. Stay safe. Godspeed. And say no to meth, everyone. You heard that here first. <laughs> <laughs> say no to meth. Not even once. I'll see you, buddy. Thank you. Peace.